0: All right, so I'm gonna continue Bound for that. Not too much talking, more reading today. Um, not even using a thing; that are just talking into the phone. I said, whole school. So where we had stopped last time was where the we are still in introductions, and we're um, um, guns. had said that an East Indian professor, um, from whom she had rented a house in Kingston, had warned them not to go downtown, all right? So, she talked about the, demarc- the line of demarcation between the uptowners and the sufferers downtown. All right, so, so continue. But I had no reason for crossing this line, the Jamaican sufferers come from the same tradition as the the greats of West Africa. They are the storyteller-historians who preserve the legends of our people and they alone are the keepers of the posse saga. I couldn't chronicle the exploits of gang leaders who were also robbing wood heroes in the ghetto unless I went to stand with the sufferers and common on ground. Downtown Kingston was Groundation and she put that in quotes for everything I wanted to understand about Jamaica since my first trip to the island in 1976. The initiation coincided coincided with the years when a fiery and eloquent politician named Michael Manley began leading his People's National Party, they get that right again too, and Jamaica into a post-colonial reckoning with the past. The island had gained its independence from Great Britain, scarcely a decade before in 1962 and it was struggling to come to grips with the legacy of slavery and colonialism that persisted with a vengeance. The decade after the 1970s was a fevered dream of race consciousness and high hopes. The first time in Jamaica in history when the downtown downside reality of suffering gave the light to the island's polite British parliamentary facade, 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 facade. And as reggae music and Rastafarian redemption put Jamaica on the world's cultural map, its deep and painful painful schism between, the schism, S-E-H-I-S-M, schism or schism or whatever, like school is schism between the rich and the poor, light skin and dark, was forced out, or oh, isms and schism okay. between the rich and poor, light skin and dark, was forced out into the open as never before. In an anguished reprisal of the past, Ireland has begun confronting the, the truth of the history that Peter Touch lamented as 400 years four centuries of babylonian captivity for the black race in jamaica and the americas at the same time manly took up the larger struggle of small underdeveloped third world states against the overwhelming dominance of the old and new colonial powers even as Manley's PMP raised his banner, Edward Sierra began turning the rival Jamaica Labour Party in a reactionary force, thundering against Morales, warming friendship with Fidel Castro and his brave but foolhardy support of myriad third world insurgencies. The United States embraced Siaga with a predictable fever. The American ego hovered fearlessly over Jamaica's doomed experiment in democratic socialism and eventually routed it with the same methods the State Department and the Central Intelligence Agency had used elsewhere. The American press printed a harsh portrait of the, portrait of the island. And the International Monetary Fund, IMFD, valued Jamaica's currency and destabilized an economy already battered by the oil price shocks of the 1970s. And travel agents discouraged their clients from going to Jamaica, thereby crippling the industry on which the island depended for, depended for its survival. And a tide of high-powered weapons flowed like bloody currency from the United States into the hands of political gunmen. Jamaicans were traumatized by the rise in violence, but only a few dare to suggest, suggest that the killing was done at the BS of the elected leaders. Jamaica became another theater of a worldwide cold war. The island's contortions were... At all right so where was i got uh, kicked off there um actually it was someone who called actually, i should have recorded it in about am not in the mood this evening for any plane um the, so the number that rang was a 905 identified as a mississauga number Answered so the phone Person with a middle eastern accent um hello good afternoon so i said hello because i'm kind of pissed now that the person cut my cut my recording I probably have to go back to recording as an audio file and then upload it cut my recording um, in the evening here when I'm trying to power through and it sounds like a air salesman which only pisses me off even more Um, I'm calling from TD um, verification centre TD visa master whatever verification centre and I see here that you have been making all the payments on time (laughs) I mean, the script, the script that was actually in the same movie I was watching the other day called Sprinter, where Jamaicans there were, who consider themselves a different set of, the scamming side of things, take up the scamming as, as a as a career. That's actually the script that I remember. Um, somebody was one of the scammer, the, the actor playing a scammer was reading out. Know I mean, I see I've been making all their payments. I mean, come on. Yeah, I think somebody would have changed the script by now. So really, I wasn't in any mood. So I should have actually done counting, and I should have brought my other phone and recorded it. I really wish I did and played it out a little longer, but I didn't. Foolishly, I said, "Listen, if you're a scammer, you sound like a scammer, and I really have no time for you this evening." The person said, "Okay, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you." I said, "What? <laughs> fuck you." And love you, fuck you. <laughs> it was actually say love you. <laughs> oh gosh. And that was that. So I'm back to reading the book. I just got, a scammer just told me, fuck you. Anyhow, um, Josh, I recorded me now. I'm going to I have the number, although I know I won't be able to, they won't be able, they won't be receiving any calls anyway. Uh, hopefully they will call me back and we can do this again the right way. Anyway, Jamaica became yet another theatre of the worldwide cold war. The island contortions were a clatosphobic relay replay of those in Chile in Nicaragua. In Chile, in Nicaragua, and a dozen other outposts of strife where the superpowers played out their east-west desk dance this drama not only went on in the corridors of the state department the world bank and the imf it played constantly in the rubber the rub the rubly streets of kingston where manny and siaga armed their rival passes to maintain control of political constituencies in a tangle of slums and shanty towns it was this misery that claimed my heart and mind Respect that. Respect that. Uh, Lori, do stop me. song sincere. Respect that. I understand where I come from. Kind of get, you know. I was then working on my doctorate in history at Harvard, shuttling back and forth between the turmoil of Jamaica and the cool battleship gray stacks of within her library. My dissertation was on the origins of the African slave trade to the Spanish Caribbean. And there was for me a certain resonance between this bitter history and Jamaica's contemporary reckoning. Every trip I took to the island showed me a present heavy with the burden of the past jamaica became my teachment as it has for thousands of other watchers and listeners around the world it is an island with a densely compacted history that contains every movement of consequence in the western hemisphere native societies devastated by european conquests the extermination of aboriginal people and their replacement by african slaves The long sleep of colonialism and the slow, painful awakening into the struggle for nationhood. This is a small island, Jamaicans like to say, of the mountainous country. But it's as big like hell in the middle. But it's big like hell in the middle. Its history is similarly grand. This is a small island, but it's big like hell in the middle. And I remember saying that. The island insistence voices young me again and again out of the safety and removal i had learned to mistrust in academia and into the place my two comfortable colleagues blith- blithedly referred to as the real world as i listened transfixed to the rambling ap- apocalyptic lectures fired at me by rastafarian visionary visionaries or the headmen of small villages deep in Jamaican's bush, I came to see that these men were giving me history lessons, every bit as crucial as the one I was hearing at Harvard Yard. Buried for years in archives of dead voices, I began learning the dangers and the lights of listening to the living. In many ways, the risky work that I found later venturing mapless into the unknown terrain of the passes was just a logical extension of looking for truths in places where my first Jamaican instructors taught me to look. I remember being summoned for the first time into the myriad contradictions of Jamaica's colonial past by an old man named Monroe in a tiny village of Hakompon. It was a feast of the Epiphany on January 6, 1976, and Akampong was holding its annual celebration in honor of its founder, a rebel slave named Kodjo. Kojo's people found two war, fought, fought two guerrilla wars with the British and in the 18th century had won their freedom a hundred years before Queen Victoria gave it to the rest of England's slave. The colonizers call these rebels Maroons a corruption of the spanish word cimarrón meaning wild or untamed their descendants were still living in the five autonomous maroon townships scattered across jamaica's mountainous interior and a compound is their protest community Monroe was then the keeper of its tradition and its history and manroe spelled m a n n space r o w e like Lawrence Row. So yeah, he and I sparred together for the better part of the day in his small house, knocking back glasses of the overproof white rum. Manro loved and reasoned, reasoning about loved and reasoning man. Man loved and reasoning the white rum. Man loved and reasoned about the tangled history of England and Jamaica. There were framed pictures of Queen Elizabeth and Winston Churchill on man's wall. And late in the day, I asked him why he these modern British incarnations of the his people are long ago fought to a standstill. Without a word, he rose and fetched his copy of the Treaty of Kodja, the treaty that Kodja had made with the British in 1739. He turned his pages to the place where Kodja had signed his name with an X. Young Miss, Man said, pointing to the photographs, We and these people up here are of one spirit. Once it was for us to fight the English for our freedom, and then time for that man, Sir Winston Churchill, to stand firm for all the world against the Hitler business. Same spirit. It's only time to separate us. Man smiled. History is a mystery sometimes, he said. By the end of the 1970s, after many trips to Jamaica, and my first tentative forays into Kingston, it was the mystery of Jamaica's worsening tribal war that caught and held me. It seems that every time I opened Aglina, the island's daily newspaper, there was a story about a killing in downtown Kingston. And that that said no, that said to. Said, uh, the Killing in downtown Kingston that was said to be the work of one political activist or another. Some Johnny Toobard who was who was rumored to be working for the pmp or the GLP. Johnny Toobad, <laughs> I don't hear that term. Jenny good <sighs> Who was the shadowy? Shadow PMP enforcer named Winston. Who was the shadowy PMP enforcer named Winston Burry Blake? And why was he so powerful that Michael Mann himself chose to join Blake's funeral procession in 1975 after the gunman had been shot dead by the JLP supporter, by a JLP supporter in West Kingston? Snipers from the JLP fired at the cottage at the, at the as it snaked its way past the Valley Gardens. See I got his own West Kingston Fifth who were the political mercenaries who set fire to a PMP tenement yard on Arran Street one hot May night in 1976, and then shot the fireman who tried to extinguish the blaze? Eleven people died and 500 were left homeless. Uh, Gold Street. This viciousness was made even more surreal by the gleaner's godless response to it. No one dared to name Manly or Siaga as the men behind such outrages. Rumors flew and whispers floated from Kingston uptown verandas. Downtown, the sufferers burned and bled. Alright, I went stick up in this because Gold Street is where my wife actually. She used to live on Gold Street, and yeah, so that brush close to home. So this event actually happened on the same street, and there's some translations on that. The gunmen infused their cruelty with a certain cinematic style, a cool detachment from the agony they inflicted. Most of these paladins had come of age in the 1950s and 1960s, when Hollywood churned out, countless Westerns and Jamaicans began a long love affair with the legendary bandits on the silver screen. No one no one had seen Perry Enzel's 19th-century masterpiece, The Holiday Come, can't forget the scene where its country boy here, Ivan O. Martin, comes to Kingston, hungry for fame, as a singer goes to his first movie in town. He and a new city sick, slick friend are, are at the palace watching the Rat got rat Spaghetti Western called Django, starring Franco Nero and the audience of young people um, is mesmerized by the violence as a light from the screen flickers across their ardent faces. They watch near a couch behind a log in the mud of some nameless frontier town facing down a posse of white-hooded vigilantes who stalk towards him with their guns cocked laughing. Ivan holds his breath, S- certain that the hero is doomed until another kid in the audience marks ivan's naivety he were candid till the last reel the kid whispers and he's right nero leaps from behind the log with a gatling gun and mows down a whole posse the kinson audience howls with delight they know the rules of this game at the end of its last reel when ivan as a hunt is hunted at the end of his last reel when ivan is a hunted outlaw himself he makes his final stand on a deserted beach near kingston cornered by a squadron of soldiers fla- he flashes back to that scene in Django, Django, and staggers out from the cover shouting for a fair chance chance to shoot it out with the jamaica defense force just send out what? just send out one man he yells one man who can draw he clutches his revolver but it shows this, the the soldiers cut him down in a barrage of much mach, machine gun fire, like hundreds of Jamaican gangsters before and after he lives and dies with long gunslinger bravado acquired from the movies i discovered the power of that myth as i came to know the gunmen and sufferers of Kingston who shared an affinity with the wild west and this carried us across a many across many a cultural bridge there were night-long sessions of talk that were accompanied by ancient scratchy jukebox blaring tunes by western balladeers like um, marty robbins and tex ritter they were veteran outlaws who were barred to tears by ghost rider in the skies there was a tense afternoon in the shanty near kingston where i had gone to meet a ranking called billy the kid who was very reluctant to talk to me until someone mentioned that i only recently came to jamaica from wyoming why? Billy break, break, breathed in a reverent whisper. I know about that place. Nuff, nuff bad man come out of there. All in the wall, Bush, Cassidy, and the Sundance Kid. Of course, I had been wrong to assume that the Passa ended in Kingston. By the time I left the island in 1986, the gangs had, were well established in the United States. Their Jamaican beginnings were in some way only a prologue. Pro, prelogue. A prologue. prologue to what they became here, an apprenticeship in the ways of badness. But they had been taught essential lessons in Jamaica by the politicians who used them, by the police who gunned them down when their brief period of usefulness was over and by a poverty from which death is often the only release. If you were a Jamaican, you would expect to die before you reach 20. If you were a Jamaican, you would, you would expect to die before you reach 20. But find somehow, in nine lives kept you spinning out one after the other in a miraculous reprieve. It isn't hard to summon up the nerve to carve out a niche as a street warrior in the American drug trade. If you're a Kingston surf sufferer living inside a hell, that has been created for you by the greed and folly of the United States and the corrupt establishment of your own country, it is logical that you will do anything to get out. The sufferers' reach can only be contained for a while in the shantytowns of Kingston, but sooner or later they will bring it here, and this is their frontier. And then one can follow them, as I did, into the American Hygara. Put them on streets where there is nothing but the drug trade and then throw in the guns. The ones meant for combat. Assault rifle, rapid fire weapons like hoses and glocks, which let off an agasmic spurt of bullets enough to drop a few people. At least a few people. Remember that some of these youths have never been held, I've never held a gun before and others are experienced killers. It doesn't really matter if you're in the line of fire. It's your turn to die. And if you live, you can be a witness to the power of the passage. Alright, so that finished the introduction. Finally, the phone was doing me a little stuff. Alright, so I was using a, a reading glasses. But my reading glasses is um, was beaten up by my dog i buy this it, but it's brand new reading glasses only to realize that the dog bite it off so i put it together and have one light functioning and as a result i can barely see the words because the text is blotted it's not sharply printed and lorry guns, so far i like your writing i don't know if you're alive or of transition, but I like all you write so far, really and truly, and enjoying the book so far, the introduction, I'm actually looking forward to it. I don't even remember the stuff that I read, and I know I read this book already. In fact, I gave a copy to someone, and I'm pretty sure I brought it to Canada, and gave a copy to a young man, the copy that I had here. So I'm happy that I retrieved it, but I don't remember the um, the font print being so such bad quality. It's you know it's almost like photocopy when you photocopy some old archive paper. But no problem. Content good and enjoying it so far. So I'm gonna try and get onto the next chapter first thing tomorrow, even tonight, because I'm enjoying this. All right. One love. Stay blessed.